it's that dirt, 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 dirt. Gotta get back to I'm it. I'm a dirt trackaholic. Call it what you call it. Saturday night, I am so Kenny Wallace on that dirt, 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 dirt. I miss that dirt, 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 dirt. Gotta get back to it. I've been the Kenny Wallace of the rap game. Ever since I hit him with that dirt track thing. Now nationwide, everybody knows my name. They're like, mama, that's Kenny Montgomery. He sings that song we like. Yeah, boy, that's me. Roll out the trailer, I'm flossing. Huh. Them Hoosier tires glossing. Them cold kind, we're tossing. Right. They know I came to wreck it, yet I rarely bring out a caution. Get I hit the high side, boy, I park it for Brian Clausen. Uh. I do them like Welcome to Throttled Up, the podcast. Throttled Up will be a weekly podcast featuring Matt and Dustin. We plan to discuss the legendary Brownstown Speedway, along with other local dirt tracks, Eldora, Salem Speedway, and all of your IndyCar and NASCAR news. Don't miss an episode of Throttled Up, the podcast. Hey, Mo, are you going to win it? Yeah, I hope y'all brought some stamps, because y'all know I'm about to send it on me. Dirt. Welcome back to Throttled Up the Podcast. Um, really exciting night tonight. Um, you know, got somebody who is who's raced it all, seen it all, got a great history. Um, you know, and somebody that's going to be a lot of fun to talk to. So, uh, before we uh, we jump on with that, I do want to talk about our sponsors, and we do have a couple new sponsors I want to go through. But first of all, in the FastLaneProductions.com, um, and I just want to start out with a huge thank you to Ryan and Nathan last week um, for sponsoring our contest. Uh, we gave out two uh, six-month free subscriptions to InTheFastLaneProductions.com. Uh, our winners were J.J. Brooks and Tori Rotier. So huge shout-out to those guys, and thanks for uh, sharing your, your favorite race stories there and letting that, that get out there. Um, also, Mark and Jamie Schaefer from Schaefer Photo and Custom Tea. I can't uh, express enough about what they do for us. Um, and... Be sure that you're paying attention because the Schaefer photo night at the races is coming up August 18th, and we'll be giving out some details here in the coming weeks about a racing for donors contest. Again, trying to get um, organ donors signed up, Um, and there's going to be multiple pairs of Jackson 100 tickets that will be available and be given away um, by Schaefer Photo and Custom Tee, throttled up the podcast, and in the Fastlane Productions. Brown Sound Speedway and Jim Price, uh, again, great uh, sponsor for us. Really appreciate everything Jim does for us. And speaking of that, uh, come out to the Jackson County Fair next week. Find the Brownstown Speedway booth. Uh, Throttled up the podcast, we'll be there with Brownstown Speedway. Uh, Jim has told me there'll be a car there. Uh, but another exciting thing there is that, um, first of all, Jeremy Owens reached out. He's got a side from his modified from last year that he wants to give away. So he's going to get me that, and we're going to have it there at the fair, and there we're going to have a drawing. Come by, sign up. Um, we'll draw that winner on Saturday night and give away that uh, that panel from uh, Jeremy Owens Modified. So huge thank you to Jeremy, too, for supporting us there. And we will be doing our podcast next Wednesday at the fair. Yes, uh, we will record live from the booth, uh, 8 p.m. 
uh, next Wednesday. So swing by and check us out at the Jackson County Fair. And I just got confirmation who our guests will be. Oh, you do have confirmation. Yes. Next Wednesday at the fair, it'll be uh, Tyler Kane and Carrie Kane. Carrie says she has an announcement to make, and then so we'll interview both of them. And, you know, we can talk to Tyler about racing, talk to Carrie about racing, and then talk to Carrie about being a racer's wife so we can get uh, – a little perspective, a little there. perspective out of that. So yeah, they'll be our guests next next week here at the fair. Very cool. So uh, we'll have uh, Tyler and Carrie Kane right there at the booth at Brown. Or excuse me, right by Brownstown Speedway at the Jackson County Fair. So make sure you come out and see us. Um, and again, sign up to win that uh, double zero uh, door panel from Jeremy Owens. Two new sponsors: Miller's Termite and Pest Control uh, out of North Vernon. It's the only place you need to look for pest control. Don't get roped into the contracts or high prices with the big companies that are out there. Reach out to someone who truly cares about you. They can handle any problem from termites, bed bugs, ants, spiders, and et cetera. They also do lawn care. Where else can you keep the bugs out and your yard looking sharp? Reach out to them on Facebook at Miller's Termite and Pest Control or email them at pest in pest underscore in underscore peace at yahoo.com or by phone at 812 767 Five six five seven. Now, after that read, I do want to say uh, Miller's Termite and Pest Control came out about a month ago and did my house, and uh, I can tell you right now that um, I, we've not seen an ant inside since then. So they do absolutely quality work. And our last, our, our new sponsor, Billy Badfast Performance. Billy Badfast Performance is by racers for racers. Uh, it is your source for new and used racing parts and supplies. They're currently stocking Schaefer's oil products and front and rear bumpers and door bars for your late model or modified. If they don't have it, they can find it. Give them a call today at 502-517-9393. And again, that's Billy Badfast Performance. And I want to not only thank all of our sponsors, uh, but especially those two new sponsors that have jumped oh, yeah. on. So we appreciate everybody helping us us get along. So now, now that I've got all that out of the way, uh, Matt, why don't you introduce who we got with us tonight? I got a great friend. I've known him for many years. Um, if it's got wheels and a motor in it, he can drive it and put it to the front. It's uh, Jeff Wilson. You guys seen him drive late models, print cars, bombers, street stocks, uh, modified. I think I've seen you in a time or two, Jeff. So, yeah. so uh, even a mini stock one. Oh yeah, that is right. I forgot about that. <laughs> the only thing I haven't driven is a midget on dirt i drove a midget at speed room. i didn't realize that yeah uh, so but i didn't drive one on dirt <clears throat> so jeff i you've got this this great history obviously with with racing but going all the way back where's it come from what what is it about the racing where where'd the bug or, or where to get in your blood as we say well my dad i'm second generation driver my dad raced at twin city in the 60s <clears throat> excuse me and uh my mother started taking me to the track when i was a few weeks old and i actually had a car seat that had a steering wheel on it when i was a little tyke and i sat there and drove races before i could drive a car <laughs> it, and you know what it's funny because my dad I, I grew up my dad was a harley guy and instead of buying me one of those hobby horses they bought me a motorcycle and my mom always wondered why i had a an early obsession with motorcycles. And I'm like, you can't buy somebody those kind of yeah. toys and not, <laughs> not, not create that obsession. So that's really cool. Now I need to shout out everybody, lots of friends and buddies watching tonight. I broke out a vintage old shirt <laughs> from 1994. So how old were you when you first got in a race car? I was 21. And, and what class was it? It was called street stock back then, the, but the it super was super stocks. Now. Yeah. It is a lot more like, what the bombers pure stocks right are now yeah so you jumped in at 21 and then uh 
Well, you end up, when did you drive for Ezo? After that or before? Yeah, after that. I okay. had my own car for three years and then took, took a year break in 88 and then in 89 went to drove for Brett for yeah. three years. And that was a pretty fast car there. I remember you you did some wearing out on some drivers there, man. So that's uh Well, that's interesting. That car I drove for Brett was the backup car. Brett built a new car and t- had me well, what preceded that was George Covey had me drive yeah. his bomber in the big bomber national that year, year before, and I ran pretty well. And so Brett put me in his backup car the next year and then I outran him about every <laughs> night. So and that yeah. old car and it was pretty beat up after the three years or however many years it had on it after that <clears throat> and then what after you left Ezo's car is that when you went to the late model or yeah i ran that uh, bomber for a couple years and then we built a new street stock because gary oh. bright gary bright wanted to sponsor me because i was winning races and uh i said well you wait till we build a new car i don't want to put your name on that old beat up <laughs> clunker and so we built a new street stock in 92 and I raced that in 92 and 93. Uh, the Patman boys helped me get that car going really fast. And uh, me and Slim battled several nights, oh, yeah. first and second. And then then next year, 94, Earl, Earl Sims uh, asked me to drive, team up with him and drive his car. I don't, I don't know if a lot of people know this, but uh, <clears throat> last year at the Hall of Fame Classic at Brownstown, you was instrumental on getting Earl put into the Hall of Fame over there and him being your first, you know, the car owner of your first late model and everything there. So I know that was a, a special night for you. You know, uh, it was special for me. I got, you know, I got to help induct him there with, with announcing him. And then uh, I know it was very important that you got Earl in there and, and everything. So, yeah. And he had a lot of other good drivers, Paul Crockett and oh, yeah. Carl Collins. And he supported Brownstown every week for a, probably 10 years or longer i guess every week he was a diehard always there so i felt like he needed not just because i drove for him because he was dedicated to brownstown why he should be in the hall of fame and i totally agree with you on that like and you know carl collins and crockett you know those are those are names that are synonymous with with history at brownstown you know i remember now did he own the the 90 proof car that Carl kind of made famous there no he didn't oh really i thought that he drove the golf cart the 55 Okay. Golf cart. Yeah. And uh also Daryl Herbert drove for him. Yeah. Uh, Rick Hines drove for him. I mean he had he had some good drivers in his cars back then. In ninety four you won the Dairy Queen Classic. You know, first year in late model and you cranked off one of the, the crown jewels over at Brownstown. So Yeah, past Mike Jewel in the last lap. <laughs> That's pretty awesome. And I ended up winning another feature. I won two features yeah. my rookie year. Yeah. That's pretty cool. I mean, but one of them being a crown jewel. Yeah, you know, yeah. It wasn't just a, a Saturday night feature over there. You know, yeah. that was – Dairy Queen Classic was a huge race. You know, it was it was very big, you know. Yeah. And, Jeff, as you've – you know, obviously at, at 21 you started there with the, um, you know, the, the street stock at that point. As you've moved between classes, what are the big, you know, changes and and adjustments you've had to make? Well, I think for myself – I I progressed as I got better as a driver. I started out in the low divisions, got to where I could win, felt like I was ready to move to the next class, move to the next class up, and that's how I pretty much pursued my whole career. Now I'm kind of going back the other direction. <laughs> <laughs> well, sometimes you got to go with what the pocketbook allows too, you know. That's uh, Yeah. That's that's some of that too, so. And as you talk about all of that success that you've had, what 
what was the moment in the car? You know, at 21, you get in, and it may have been that first time, but when was the moment when you knew, I've really got a knack for this, I've got some talent? I guess that first year I raced, um, you know, back then, there'd be 30 or 40 cars in each division every night, which we only had three divisions back then, but, you know, there'd be 30 or 40 cars, and, and back then they broke up the races in the slow heat, yeah. medium heat, fast heat, you know, trophy dash. Yeah. Uh, every class qualified too. Yeah. Every night. Yeah. Everybody yeah. qualified. And so you got broken up that way because, over your time. And I was always in the faster heats and stuff right from the get go. So I felt like, and I had built that car myself and my dad had built the engine for me. And, you know, everybody thinks because my dad was a successful racer, he helped me a lot, but it was pretty much my own motivation that I put into the car and getting better and everything, but my dad did help me, but not like everyone thought. Right. <clears throat> and as you've, as you've grown, I mean, over all of these years, what are some of, I know we talked about the, the crown jewel there at Brownstown that, that you were able to win, but what are some of the other, those, those big races that you were able to win that you, that really stand out to you? Well, I, I, won several different tracks i guess no one in particular i i in my heyday when i was really running well i could go to the track and win and and you know i so I, no particular i mean that obviously that dairy queen was probably one of my shining moments i ran second in the kentucky classic once yeah. to billy drake and uh me and don o'neill battled it out big time in that race and uh i think we changed positions about 20 times in that race he'd slide jaw me in one end and i'd slide him back and that was a pretty exciting race for me and finished second in it so well you're also the 1998 uh, northern all-star champion for that series i'm first that was the first year that series ever even came out so you was the, the original champion for that series so that's gonna make you feel pretty cool man you know and you won uh what Thundercross Motorsports uh yes track there and then uh what Benton County Speedway right yes yes and that you won both of those and yeah. uh, I checked I actually got on dirt on dirt today and went back and did some research and uh you you got two Northern All-Star wins and you're actually tied up with Tony Stewart I don't know if you realize that but you and Tony both have two Northern All-Star uh series wins so I, that's pretty cool I thought yeah. you, you and Tony yeah. tied with that so yeah I didn't know that <laughs> Hey, and, uh, Matt, I want to point out J.J. Brooks uh, giving you a shout-out there. He's watching from Virginia Beach, and he says it is absolutely suns out, guns out down there. So uh, <laughs> he likes to always check on, on Matt's sleeves every week. So, I put uh, sleeves on tonight just for you, J.J. I, I didn't want you calling me out. You did it anyway. So. <laughs> I have to say uh, they're trying to bring back spectator racing at Twin City right now, and that is actually the first race I ever ran. I had an old oh, really? Ford Falcon. <laughs> and uh, – I ran a spectator race when Collins is on the track and, uh, it was just an old beater car and I'd go into the corner and an oil light would come on. They were giving away a case of oil. If you won that, <laughs> won that deal. And my mom said, she sure hoped I won that night. Cause it looked like I needed that oil in my car. <laughs> that's pretty funny. <laughs> <laughs> that was actually my first race. If that's not motivation when your oil lights on and you're racing for oil, I don't know what would be. Uh, that's, that's pretty cool. Uh, but yeah, I'm, I'm going to go back to you. You said that you didn't have a lot of crown jewels. And like I said, I did some research today and you know, you, 
in 2004, you finished sixth in the Jackson 100. Mm-hmm. And in 1997, you finished ninth. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's – Yeah. You're, you're racing against guys that, that race, you know, at, at the World 100 and the Dream against it. – that's not just the Southern Indiana guys. And, and in 97, you finished ninth. Bloomquist finished 11th. And, you know, that was John Gill's heyday too. He finished 18th. So, yeah. you know, I don't want you to sell yourself short that you uh, – Right. Yeah. yeah. I, and like I said, I didn't win a few of those, but I definitely ran competitive in a lot of good big races and winning that Northern All-Star thing as a private team, private, you know, I was, I worked and built everything and had my buddies racing with me. We weren't no high funded team, but you know, the interesting thing was we went to Florida that year when that northern all-stars they kicked off in florida but that didn't count for points down there and i had a, a rider from i can't remember who it is now he came to me down there in florida and he said i've got you picked to win this northern all-star thing at the very first race in florida that year and That's i thought very cool. man that that guy foreseen a lot more than i did but. <laughs> but but you did i mean and i mean you did well you know with that it seemed like you know everywhere you went you know it you you was up front a lot and you know everything there so and I know, you know, for all of us, you know, that that knew you, you know, it, that was a big deal because, you know, not a lot of people around our area was traveling at that time. And, you know, you kind of grabbed the, you know, the bull by the horns and, and started traveling. And, and Yeah, I had uh, 19 top fives that year. Yeah. And 29 top tens out of 49 races that year. Yeah, so that's, I mean, that's. And fun. I ran, I won the track championship at Twin City and the Northern All-Stars championship the same year. Yeah. And then I also ran four or five summer nationals races that year. I ran the World 100. Yeah. I mean, I I ran a bunch of a bunch of big races that year. And just to be that consistent, I mean, over time to be 29 top tens out of 49 races to keep the car up up to what it needed to be. And again, you said you guys were doing it, you know, with your buddies. I mean, it wasn't a a huge funded team, things like that. Yeah, I honestly don't know when I slept back then because <laughs> I was running my logging business during the day, working at the shop till 10 or 11 o'clock every night, taking off early on Friday and maybe sometimes not get home till 2 or 3 in the morning on a Sunday. Or, oh, yeah. You know, we were, we were hitting them all back then. <laughs> I don't know when I slept. I really don't. <laughs> so how many years did you run the late model? I mean, did before you – I drove, I drove for Earl. We we was actually partners on the car in '94. Then I bought him out in '95. I ran '95, '96, '97, and '98 under my own, on my own. And then, uh, then what? In 2000, I drove, started driving the sprint car. That's what I. Yeah, that's. And then, and then after. That then I got in, worked, drove for Harlan Baker for two and a half years. Yeah, before Harlan got sick. The sprint car man was that. Is there any comparison? Because you know when Gilpin was on here, you know he he really respects the sprint cars, and we had Joss Moffat on, and Joss said he would love to get down to late model because of the technology. When you switch from a dirt late model to the sprint car, did you almost have to relearn driving again or was it, is it, there's a lot of basic stuff in there. Uh, yeah, there was, there's nothing, nothing the same. I mean, you're <laughs> setting straight up in the seat with your feet and stirrups on the throttle. And, and I mean, the whole feel of the car, the wheel spin, none, none of that is, yeah. How I had so much success so quick. I, I have no idea. Obviously I was in the prime of my driving career <laughs> when I did that. Yeah. Because I mean, <laughs> 
you know, I, I've never drove anything, but, you know, I've watched a lot of races and it, and it just seems like you said, I mean, you're in a different, different driving position. So, you know, your body's going to feel different. Cause I mean, it's like sitting in one of these chairs when you're in the sprint car, you know, right. steering wheel flat in your lap and yeah. And, and they have no brakes They you can't stop a sprint car. They do not stop like a late model or any other kind of race car. Their brakes, they got, you know, they got one rotor on the back where we have four that size on a late model. Right. They don't stop very well. So, I mean, you're driving them totally with that throttle pedal on and off the gas. Really. Yeah. Yeah. You're yeah. using that, using that, uh, right rear to, to control and, and do what you need to do with that car. Yeah. So, so there's no comparison whatsoever in, in, in driving one versus the other. So, and in the late model, you would use the brake sometimes to set up for the corner where in a sprint car, you, yeah. it's all <laughs> yeah. with the gas pedal. Yeah, you weren't so. using the brake to set the car. <laughs> well, I've seen, I seen when we started old uh, Rapping Rod Reynolds is on there, You're the guy that you drove for when you was in the sprint cars. So, uh, yeah, you know, that came about, Rodney came to Red Hill and watched us. They were over there racing one night, and he seen me run a Northern All-Star show over there. Matter of fact, Tony Stewart was there that night, and I stuffed him in the wall. <laughs> but anyway, anyway, Rodney, I, I was scraping a spoiler off the wall every lap, and that impressed Rodney. He knew I was up on the wheel. And then uh, that was the year, I see, yeah, no. Yeah, I think that was the year that, that uh, Morgan got sick yeah. and Rodney had, no, that would have been the year prior. Rodney had me drive. And then that at, uh, in 99, Pete went on a houseboat and Rodney gave me a chance to drive the car again yeah. without, I drove it with the wing and then without the wing and, uh, took to it pretty fast really. Cause I, I ran top 10 first two times oh, in yeah. a sprint car with a wing and without a wing. Yeah. How, how much difference does the wing make? Oh, it's, it's tremendous. You're, uh, you know, it's just giving you so much downforce and traction in the car, but, but so much more stable in the corner. So, and you're, you know, I used to listen to those cars, you know, you'd watch one of those wing shows, outlaw shows, and you'd listen, they're never really out of the gas in those wing cars and you are, you're, 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 you're in the throttle, even through the corners. It's pretty interesting. But yeah, the the non-wing car, you're on and off the gas a lot to control the car yeah. and control the traction. And so I've seen Sportman before it goes off here. It says that you dug deep in your closet for that shirt, and he remembers that car well. So, <laughs> mm-hmm. and uh, after you you drove the Sprint car, obviously you had that success. You said nothing's the same when you when you jump back in. Uh, you know, you jump back in a late model right after the Sprint car, correct? It was a couple years, but yeah. But was it kind of like riding a bike? Was it easy or was it still kind of feeling? I mean, I know you had a lot of experience in those those other series, so. Yeah, it. you know, I think the only thing that helped me when I drove the sprint car was I was used to the speed because the speed of the, of the late models, super late models, and the non-wing sprints are pretty comparable, the straightaway oh, speed and stuff. So I think having my mind adjusted to the speed wasn't but driving the car was obviously a lot different but anyway jumping back didn't it it wasn't that much different for me yeah i mean driving for me really is like riding a bike i've been able to get out for a while i was out 12 years this last time and got back in last year so (laughs) and made the jackson 100 yeah you know so that's it's uh did did your reactions feel quicker after you was in the sprint car and you went back to a late model i mean I would say so. I, I I tell everyone the reason they call those cars sprint cars, if you ever ran 40-yard sprints in football or 
in phys ed, that's what every lap felt like in a sprint car. I mean, you were winded, you were hustling that car. You know, you're a lot more relaxed in late models, or you should be, I, right. in my opinion. The the sprint car, you're just up on that wheel and hustling that thing every lap, every corner, you know. So that's what I always compared. That's why I said they call them sprint cars because yeah. it's you're running sprints. <laughs> what I love, I love with the new, like, GoPro camera technology, when they show a driver inside – it blows my mind they even have time to get a tear off, torn off. I mean, because especially it's, it, it, depending on the track, but man, at times they're so fast to try and get a tear off off. It's amazing. That was an adjustment for me when I got in the sprint car, cause you're getting pelted <laughs> off that right rear and, everything was happening so fast it took me a while to get oh, really? used to pulling them tear offs honestly bet. and you're pulling to a lap a lot of times jack hewitt helped me out a lot um that was when they first came out with the laminated tear offs because you could only put six or eight maybe ten on and not blur your vision too bad of the old style ones and jack introduced me to those laminated ones and so you could put 21 of those on and you'd use all of them in a feature most most nights wow and you know i've wondered with anything you drive how you how you don't just tear them all off right at the very beginning i mean i know you know you fold the one okay can you guys hear us now can you hear me we don't we don't have anybody with us yet but uh hopefully my technical difficulties for the day are over um Nathan, can you hear everybody? Can you hear me? Nathan, let us know if you can hear all of us. You might talk. Jeff, go ahead and talk. Yeah. Okay, good. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Thank you, Nathan. All right. There's uh, my sister. She's on. <laughs> so a, a a huge apology. Um, and I see uh, James Miller just joined in. And uh, James, like uh, like I said hey, earlier. Lord. Uh, just jumped on as a, a new sponsor with Miller Termite and Pest Control, so a huge shout-out to James. I appreciate that. Uh, James, um, it is just awful luck that you joined on as a sponsor, and I've had consistent technical difficulties tonight, <laughs> so I apologize for that. But uh, we we did get your ad out earlier, and we'll continue to push you guys. So sorry about that. So back to actual racing, hopefully. So... Um, I guess what I want to ask it, you know, in the late model, you raced door to door with, you know, Bloomquist and Moyer and Don O'Neill. And then when you went to the sprint car, you was racing against Dave Darland and, and John Stanbro and, and putting Tony Stewart in the wall, as we heard earlier. Yeah. <laughs> and I mean, the first time you was on the track with those guys, was you a little starstruck or was it just another race car that you was going to try to get around? I think maybe, maybe my rookie year, but by the time I was, competitive and racing with those guys consistently you were over that that's just another guy you had to beat you know so like you know last year you know in the jackson 100 when bloomquist got around you was you like this is bloomquist or who cares it's just a black car yeah i mean obviously if you're getting lapped I, you, you recognize all the cars or i mean at least i do i i know who's around me and and uh uh, you know, in that situation when Bloomquist was laughing, but I wasn't just giving up my spot because right. I was still racing for position myself. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. And, I, you know, Marty, he won a, a few weeks ago there at Brownstown, and, and that's what he said. You know, he's seen the guys in front of him getting the, uh, you know, get over flag because so, the leader was coming. And, and Marty said there in victory lane that if he was racing for, for position, he probably wouldn't have got over for the leader either because 
you know, he's still racing for positions. So, you know, that's, I just didn't know when you seen, you know, like I said, again, I'm just a fan, but you, right. if, if you race people differently, depending on who they are. Yeah. And my approach to the Jackson 100 and even the world 100 is a little different. Eldor is just special, but oh, yeah. you know, I mean, when I raced the Jackson and ran the sprint week races and stuff, I just had to tell myself it was another, it was another Saturday night to keep your, to keep yourself calm and not not get too wound up, because I mean keeping a level head is very important in there behind the wheel. And you, you know, you was talking about being a sprint car race, and uh, I remember for those that don't know, I, I lived right next to to Rodney Reynolds Race Shop, so I was around Jeff a whole lot in the sprint car years. And uh, you made a comment you forgot and sometimes held your breath when you raced that sprint car. You know, you I heard you t- tell that that qualifying. You know, that's yeah. and I, you know, I tend to do that in late models. Sometimes you have to tell yourself to breathe <laughs> because, especially qualifying, because you're trying to put down the best lap. And you know, I'd catch myself holding my breath for two laps. You know, and, <laughs> and that's for, not good for a fan. That is just that. Those are the really cool things that I love talking to drivers about because that's unbelievable to me. That and when you and when you say it like that, I had to tell myself to breathe and settle myself down, and you know, and because for us. When we're talking about the Jackson 100, the World 100, I mean, that's all of Saturday night shows, but we're all coming in. It's amped. So it's really cool to hear you say, I wanted to just calm down and tell myself it was any other Saturday night. Yeah, and that's that's what I would do when it was a big event. That's what you'd have to do because, you know, you got to keep your wits about yourself. Because if you get too intense, you'll overdrive or, mm-hmm. you know, they're just you'll make mistakes. and. Let's look at the other side of it too, and I'm just curious. I, I'm not. I don't want any drama or bringing up any bad blood. But when you had that guy that didn't race you clean, that you felt like was, you know, was roughing you up or trying to take you out or whatever, or took you out, you know, spun you or whatever. How did you try and keep yourself level headed then, or was that a point where you just said, "Forget it, I got to go." I I typically tried to uh, anytime I had confrontation on the track with drivers even in my early years and and later on i would just i'd go to them after the race and tell them you know i'll race you the way you race me i i'm i'm not taking it out on the track i'll take it out in here in the pits so i'll we'll settle it in the pits right not on the track cars are too expensive mm-hmm. too much work involved and there, there again you're old school <laughs> yeah so you know that's the way old school was you know yeah I mean, the cars just, and I don't understand guys that retaliate so bad these days. I honestly, I, if I had a guy rough me up, I would just want to pass him that much. I just wanted to beat him, you know, and and that I figured that was the best retaliation was just outrun him <laughs> and, and watch him drive away from you. There, so. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, Mike, my brother there, he said that Crockett said he held his breath too. So that that must be something with with the concentration level then yeah and and typically it's qualifying you don't do that in the race but you definitely have to train yourself to to breathe and you know uh, i don't know just because you can you can get intense out there and forget to and it'll start affecting your brain you're running out of oxygen (laughs) you know what uh is is the video is not coming through i guess that's what sparkman's saying i i don't know can anybody else see us Okay. Okay. Right there, third generation driver, your your son there, Shane. So yep. glad to see him on here. Sparkman, yeah. uh, turn your phone around the other way. If you turn it around, <laughs> uh, you'll be able to see the uh, the the video. We're taking selfies. 
<laughs> I, I I love Sparkman, man. I saw him at the the racetrack a few weeks ago, and he wa- he wanted me to do a Facebook live in the concession line at Brownstown Speedway. <laughs> Next time I see him, I'm going to do it. So now, uh, you did have some some bad tumbles in the sprint car. Was was there any time after you wrecked the car that you thought, man, this this ain't for me, or or anything like that? Not really. I mean, the first time I got turned over it was someone else's fault they stuck a wheel in there on me and uh you know that was just a racing deal and the time i crashed at bloomington was my own fault i didn't realize it at the time i'd nipped that tire but i mean i just felt like you had to get back on the horse i never i've never been scared in the race car i get i ever get to that point i I won't do it anymore i've never been afraid and like we talked you know you you are a gas man you know and and you said that's what rodney always said he's a gasser and you know, I, I think you're a good wheel man because, I mean, whatever you get in, you find a way to, to put it to the front and, and you compete. But uh, the racetracks in this, the sprint car, you raced at Bloomington and at Gas City. Putnamville. Putnamville. I mean, you guys Eldora traveled. was my first race in it. Oh, really? Oh, I didn't Eldora. realize that. Yeah, we went to the USAC show at Eldora. First oh race gosh. out. Yeah. You talk about speed. I mean, yeah. that's. Yeah. And we, we made the feature. We didn't. But. It was, uh, I mean, I went fast there in a late model, but you're really hauling the mail in a sprint car around that place. And I think what you, 2000, you finished six in the points at Bloomington Speedway. Am I, am I correct on that? Or if you can remember at all? I believe so. I can't remember. I do exactly. use the top 10, but I, I thought yeah. you might've been, if, if Rodney's Rodney, still on here, yeah, you know, he would remember. I can't remember for sure. Now, did you run, cause this is something that we've had, Matt and I've had a lot of talks about. Obviously, you ran the sprint car at Bloomington. Did you also run your late model at any point at, at Bloomington? I never got to run my late model there, but I ran my street. I ran my the bomber and the street stock boat. Love Bloomington Speedway. I mean, it pl- about killed me there. The sprint car did, but I love that racetrack. <laughs> about killed the flagman too. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah ask, ask Rusty here. Yeah. Oh yeah. But flagman got a broken collarbone out of your wreck, didn't he? Yeah. 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 And you said earlier before we we went on the air this, the first time we've been on the air a couple times here with my technical <laughs> difficulties, but uh, Jeff, you said that you you think now that had you stayed in the sprint car, it, it may have killed you. And why why did you have that feeling that I know you kind of told us, but for the viewers, what was it about sprint cars that that I know you said you'd never been scared, but looking back would have made you nervous? Well, I I look at. I think one thing that really brought it to my reality was Rusty McClure drove for the Law Brothers that mm-hmm. year that I drove, and he got injured really bad at Eldora. And you know, I raced for a hobby my whole life. I had a I had a business to run and a family to raise, and I wasn't racing for a living, and I didn't feel like it. I needed to get injured driving a race car. And I knew that you could in those open wheel cars. It was a lot more likely than, I mean, guys get hurt in these late models and other classes, but the risk factors probably double in a sprint car. And especially at that time, they've been, they've improved, you know, there's some better safety features now than it was. When you raced them, there was no self-containment seat. You know, you guys still just had the headrest on the, on the, what, the right yeah, side? Yeah, wind and net on the right side. I mean, you know, now they Barber have streets. Halo. They got Halo bars. They got uh, Hans device. They got yeah, a yeah. lot more equipment now than they had when I drove. I broke my right arm restraint when I wrecked at Bloomington, and thank goodness my arm got tangled in the net, or I probably would have broke my arm because oh, yeah. it was hanging out of the car at one point. <laughs> when you 
because obviously you didn't wear the, the arm restraints in the late model. Was that hard for you to, to adjust to that where you had, you know, restricted movement with the arms? Yeah, that was a little bit, but you know, you're setting them up more direct over the wheel in the sprint cars. So, but yeah. I, and you were asking me why I thought maybe quit driving sprint cars, my aggressive driving style, I, I felt like was going to get me into more trouble, but you watch all the guys that are fast in the sprint cars, they get in wrecks and turn over. I mean, if you ain't out there hustling, you're, you know, you're probably running in the back. So now you correct me if I'm wrong. Cause I've heard a lot, you know, we've told, talked a lot of racing throughout the years, but you got upside down the late model too, right? No, I haven't. Okay. I haven't. I, no. I thought you did. I thought, uh, Mm-mm. I thought you had a wreck there in, in it, uh, Brownstown one year. I wrecked pretty hard one night, but I didn't turn over. Okay. Yeah, I I went to the hospital that night. I hit pretty hard, but I, I, I thought you said you put on the uh, the ER paper, or whatever. Boom! I seen skies. So. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. It launched me off turn one. A guy blew an engine and exited the track right in front of me, and I kind of jumped his wheel and went off turn one and came down real hard on the nose. And but you didn't. But you didn't go. But over I didn't okay. turn over. <clears throat> and have you have you had injuries? I know you said you had. Yeah, I mean, other than bruises and and bumps over your career. Well, I, in that sprint car, I wrecked. I turned over four times that year, and I had three concussions. So, and I've had several concussions playing sports and dirt bike wrecks and football injuries. And I told the doctor someday they need to inspect my brain when I'm dead because I've had way too many. You know, if I ever lose my mind and get dementia they probably <laughs> ought to study my brain well you dale Earnhardt jr actually offered his up for that too because yeah. you know he's worried about the concussions mike asked uh, who you dreaded racing against was there anybody dreaded gosh i don't i don't think so i mean i i enjoyed the competition and the nights you could outrun the guys uh you know and i started in the late models when Don O'Neill wasn't dominant or, right. you know, I mean, John Gill was probably the most consistent driver at Brownstown. Barnett. When I started, yeah, Barnett. And, you know, and that was the other thing. Barnett feuded with Curry and Curry feuded with O'Neill. And, you know, those kind of guys, they always had feuds going on. And I got along with all of them. I don't, <laughs> you know what I mean? But, and I never had, I never had any bad nights with any of those guys it you didn't have nobody you dreaded right there was there somebody when you pulled up in the lineup shoot and they seen they was in your heat race or were starting close to you in the feature you thought man this is going to be good because you you knew you guys raced yeah i mean you know? obviously you know when the big guys would come to town for the big shows you probably probably my biggest i mean the guy i admired the most and probably thought was the best driver is billy moyer you know i always i knew if he was in the race he was going to be probably the one to win it you know well they call him mr smooth for a reason yeah you know? so that's yeah and he's still getting it done at 60 years old oh yeah you know? and that's and that's very cool that i mean you know when you finally decide you know to hang the helmet up for good and and set it home and and the guys that you've raced against you know around here there's not a whole lot of people that can, can say i mean you've raced in both worlds. Yes. You know, you can talk about racing against Scott Bloomquist and Billy Moyer 
And then you can also say, you know, John Stainbro and, and Dave Darlin, Kevin Jay, Briscoe. Jay Yaley, yeah, Kevin Yaley. Briscoe. I mean, I, I ran against them. Yeah, I, yeah. I raced them all. You know, Jay Drake. Jay had a phenomenal year. He broke a USAC record the year I drove the sprint car in wins that year. I mean, I raced against the best in both worlds, oh, yeah. really. I did. And, you know, like, like I said, there's some guys around here that can say, well, you know, they race this group of guys or the others that say they race this group. But you, I mean, you tangled with both of them. Yeah, you know, I mean, and, Jack Hewitt. I mean, I always idolized Jack. Oh, yeah. He kind of took me under his wing when I started driving. Jack helped me when I went to Eldora the first time with the late model. We pitted <laughs> right next to him. Jack's one super, super guy. And that's what makes a guy like him a legend, though, because he's willing to pass that info on, you know, to keep the sport going. And when you drove into Turn one in the sprint car del door the first time. I mean, what what was going through your mind? Well, I hope this thing turns. <laughs> right on. <laughs> that may be the most honest answer we've had on this podcast in nineteen oh, yeah. episodes. Oh yeah, <laughs> because that is that is a hunt day. Because that wall comes fast at Eldora in turn yeah, one. Yeah, and you know Rodney Reynolds, he hired me. He had a driver before that was a catfish, and he hired yeah. me because I was up on the up on the wall, and that's what he kind of expected me to do so now jeff uh, you've talked about kind of the breaks you've taken out of the car um obviously you're a racer through and through i mean there, there's no doubt about it what goes into that thought to to jump back in like you just said last year was your your first year back from 12 years off why what what i mean i know you've always got the bug but what truly says i'm getting back in the car um I guess my ability, I've, I, if I was just an average racer and never was competitive and still wasn't competitive, I'd have hung it up a long time ago, but I still, I tell everyone if I wasn't good at it, I wouldn't, I'd quit tomorrow, but I'm still pretty good at it. You know, even at my age now, I'm still pretty good. I'm better than average. I won't say I'm the best, but I'm better than average. I'll, I'll give you that too. And <clears throat> last year when you came back in, in the late model there with Jim Beeman, you had a wife that hadn't got the experience of racing life yet. How how was that with her when she jumped on that roller coaster with you that we called dirt, you know, dirt racing? Well, she was familiar with it because her dad was was best friends with Merrill Downey and raced oh, with Merrill for a lot of years. And so she was exposed to it when she was young, her dad going to the races and they went a lot when she was young. So but she had never had a spouse that was involved <laughs> in racing. So it was definitely and it took her a while till she went and seen that I was competitive and it was exciting for her too mm -hmm. then, you know, <clears throat> because I'm, you know, we've said it on here probably every episode that the wives or girlfriends, I mean, they, they have to dedicate as much of themselves as you do. You're you, because you're out in the garage or, you know, if you're, you know, like one of the car boys, his race car don't sit at his house, you know, so he's got to yeah. leave the house and go somewhere else. I did that a lot of years myself, you know, had the car, you know, when I first started, I had the car at my dad's house and I had to go there and work on it. And then when I drove for Ezo, I had to go to his house. And it it wasn't until the 90s until I bought my own house with a garage that I actually had the car at home. To And my kids were, it, that was important. At that time, I got the garage at home and race shop at home and my kids were young. And, you know, they'd be out there playing around and stuff while I was working on the car. Then it definitely got better as time went on. And, and, you know, we see that also that uh, about everybody we've had on here is comes from a family racing, which like you have, and then the kids all you know get immediately interested in it. There, oh Shane, your son wanted to know who you had the most fun racing with. 
probably that that time Don O'Neill and I, <laughs> I'm telling you, that was a pretty fun race for me. I, I had some good times in that sprint car too, though. I outran Dave Darlin to make a show one night and uh, outran Bob Pierce one night at Brownstown to make a feature. I mean, I, I've had some moments with some pretty special drivers, really. Uh, Mike Fields was asking. I did start in 85. I don't. I have no idea how many features I've won. I really don't know. You know, I have that on, on my laptop at home. At Brown, I have all the Brownstown wins down. Mm-hmm. So, but I, I could have told you that if I would have brought the laptop. But he's the old Brandeis king in that super stock, man. He keeps all that big money in there, don't yeah, he? Yeah, I wasn't there last week. That's the only reason. <laughs> <laughs> you need to challenge him, Mike. <laughs> you know, that that right there, uh, that, that Brandeis series, that might become a throttled-up bounty right there on, on Mike Fields. Oh, yeah. I, I heard that. Once again, uh, you but know. But it, it's a bounty. It's, it's got to be – it ain't going to be this – just crash him out to take the bounty. It's no, got, no, no, yeah, no, no, yeah, no. Yeah. You got to race him and beat him. I don't want to see him crash out. I want to see. I, I want to see somebody. I want to see Fields run second to somebody. I, I want to see and, somebody force Fields to 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 take second. Mike, I I I'm excited watching your race, but I'm gonna. I, I think uh, I think we'll just throw that out there right now. Uh, in, in the Brandeis series, uh, I got a hundred dollar bill for the first person that uh, that can outrun Mike Fields in uh, in the Brandeis series. So right there, throw it up the podcast. Hundred dollar bounty to uh, outrun Mike Fields uh, in the Brandeis okay. series. There you go. Let me be Mike's advocate here. There's three more races in the series. If he wins out, I give him the hundred. He gets a hundred dollars, right? If he can win okay. out, I give him the hundred dollars. I'll, 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 I'll take that. <laughs> so Mike and uh, all those other uh, uh, super stocks. Uh, there you go for the Brandeis series. Mike Fields wins out. He gets the hundred. Somebody takes him down uh, and and outruns him. I got a hundred dollar bill from throttled up the podcast for him right there. That's our bounty on Mike Fields. I see Warren Lucas. He was my neighbor at the time. Yeah, I, I remember lived that. out there in Butlerville and had my race shop there. I, uh, Shane, I want to know who I had the most fun. I, you know, I raced against a lot of good drivers, but like Mike Jewell was a super great guy. Mm-hmm. Had we raced competitively door to door and and uh, and um, oh, there was just. You know, back when I started in the late models at Brownstown, your weekly drivers was Jim Curry and John Gill and Barnett, Kevin Barnett and Kevin Claycomb oh, and yeah. Lee Fleetwood. And, I mean, the list goes on and on. I mean, and then if it was a bigger show, you had Kevin Weaver and Bob Pierce and, yeah. and Doug McCammon. And, I mean, you had the guys from Illinois coming over and some guys out of Kentucky. It was, it was pretty challenging oh, yeah. just to make the features back then. And it, you know – Almost all them guys you just listed are all in the Hall of Fame at Brownstown, you know. So that's – and, you know, like we have been spoiled that we have that caliber of race car drivers right here in our backyard. You know, people travel to see these guys that, that we just went on Saturday nights and watched, you know, and you got to race against, Yeah. you know. So that's, uh, that's, that's pretty cool there. Do you like – you know, when Shane got in the car, how do you feel – then of being like a mentor to the to your son racing i mean that's another whole chapter in itself right there is now you can take this knowledge you know and pass it on to shane on this is how i did things and this is what you want to try to do yeah and it was it was definitely exciting for me to watch him i mean i got nearly as much enjoyment watching him drive as i did as i did myself you know driving myself so i'm you know that's kind of what i'm working back towards to get him back in the car here sometime in the future so good deal i'm i'm you know i'm getting near hanging my hat up 
I'm I'm wanting to win this Mark Clark race. I've ran second a five or six times in that show, and yeah. that's something I'd like to win before I completely quit. And you know, I, my days of winning the Jackson 100 are probably gone. But I don't you know. know, man. I, you know, you, you're still a wheel man. If, if anybody's listening and uh, like to help Jeff out, you know, racing at Jackson again, uh, you need to get a hold of him on that too. So Shane says you need to tell him about having to run out of Kentucky. Having to run out of Kentucky. I'm. I am. Oh, well, that was maybe when I drove for Harlan. We had an altercation at Richmond Speedway, yeah. so. Uh, oh, that's a different Mike Fields. <laughs> yeah, sorry. Oh, I'm not, oh, that's the Mike Fields from Columbus. Okay, okay. Well, Mike, I'm not, I'm not trying to come after you either. But, uh, uh, but, I, but I'm, I, even though it's not the right Mike Fields, I saw Jason Heyman just joined there and uh, – uh, I, I will, we'll, we'll still stick it out there, even though he's the wrong Mike Fields, uh, the bounty on Mike Fields, uh, from thought up the podcast, Heyman, you outrun Mike Fields in, in a Brandeis series race, a uh, hundred dollar bill goes to you. If, uh, Mike Fields wins out the Brandeis, um, then a uh, hundred dollar bill goes to Mike Fields. So that's, that's for any super stock driver that can come in and, and knock off Mike Fields in one of those Brandeis series races. We're going to, we're going to give out a hundred dollars. I wouldn't say knock off. <laughs> outrun there you outrun. go yeah. right now though if you're talking about knockoff in the sense of podium he's sitting on top of the podium oh, yeah. no one has knocked him off the podium yet yeah mike fields uh he he raced back then when i first started he may have he may have raced we started about the same time he may have started a little before i did but yeah i, I mike raced back in the day if you if you had an opportunity if they if Somebody came to you and says, Jeff, I have one of every car. You can get back in whatever you want to get in. What, what car would you choose? I, the super light model is definitely my passion. I mean, I love the sprint cars. Uh, you asked me earlier about the sprint car, why I decided. I was 36 years old when I got a chance to drive a sprint car the first time. I told everyone if I'd been 26 years old, that would have been a different story. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. But I was 36, and I physically couldn't take the abuse that – those cars put on you especially at that time and uh but you know in my heyday when i was young i them sprint cars they were fun to drive you, you know i won't i won't deny that the speed and everything was was really fun and challenging and and uh if i would have been younger i would have probably stayed in the sprint cars if i could have and you brought up the family thing when all your kids was young at that you know 18 years ago i mean that mm-hmm. you know i I actually don't even know how old your your kids actually are, but you're not you know very old at all. You know, still they're what all in their twenties. Yes. Well, my daughter's thirty and in her thirties now, and Shane's twenty six. So yeah, they were both. They so were all like, young. They were yeah. all young when I was out there beating up and down the road, running that late model myself. You know. Oh yeah. I even did that with my street stock. I mean, we raced in Kentucky and raced all anywhere. We raced in Bloomington and Brownstown, Vernon. I mean, we, we raced all around with that street stock that we could, Scottsburg, you know, there was, we even did that with that street stock before I got the late model. Dustin went down to the Scottsburg fair race and, uh, and watched, and I was telling him that back in the day, that was a joint to go watch some good races at. So, you know, because yeah. I, I talked to, to Joe Johnson over at Eldora and, and Jeff, Joe said that too. He always looked forward to go down to Scottsburg. And uh, I actually won track championship there in '89. Oh no! They kidding. ran. They ran there every Friday night. Um, I can't remember the fellow's name. He had a car lot in uh, Seymour, 
and he ran the track every Friday night, and uh, we won the track championship that year, and uh, and that was that was probably the last year of that track. Maybe it got ran after that, but that was probably the last year it was ran on a regular basis. I now, know. Eighty nine, he was in is in the bomber. He, yeah, as an Ezo's bomber car. Yeah, that's pretty cool. I, I didn't yeah. realize that. Yeah. Huh. Yeah. So. Uh, Still haven't won a track championship at Brownstown, though. You came pretty hoping, close. I was hoping last year I could get it done, but it didn't quite happen. I'm going to throw some more kudos to you there. You know, at the, the uh, awards banquet, you, you passed on some knowledge to the young guys, and I thought it was very cool. I actually went home and, and bragged to Lori about it when I got home that uh, you told them, you know, when you get up here, thank your sponsors and stuff because, you know, and, and your crew. And, and I thought that was – that was uh, kind of good advice from the statesman, you know, in the room of you guys got to do this or this, they're going to quit giving to you because, you know, there's so many of them, you call their name out and, you know, you hand them the trophy and hand them their envelope with money and they walk off the stage and, and, uh, yeah, you know, I mean, get a little liquid courage in you or something. I don't know. <laughs> Do something to get up there and thank the people that help you because without them, we all know we, we're just all common guys out here trying to do this and you got to have help from people to do it and, and even more so today you know and sponsors like to hear their name you know they like to hear that they're appreciated because you know they they are handing that money and and we all know money's hard to come by you know so it's and i i, I just really uh i thought that was pretty cool and like, like i said you know you was and i was speaking from the heart i didn't yeah. have that i didn't have any of that prepared or anything i just i spoke from the heart when i got up there and got that award that night you know uh, and that was, I, you know, just, again, just a spectator pretty much at night. I, I just thought that was some good mentorship to a lot of the young guys in the room that, you know, make this important. You know, this is a night, not really for you, it's for your sponsors and for your crew. Right, and stuff like right. That. Yeah, and that's, that was what the night's about. I mean, yeah. and, uh, you know, it's, I'm worried about our sport from that aspect. It's getting harder and harder to get sponsors and uh, get money to help you as expensive as it is anymore. And that's why I was trying to encourage those guys to get up there and, you know, this is your shining moment. You're on the stage. Get up there and thank the people you need to thank, you know. And and you can't take things for granted because, I mean, Lowe's back there, Jimmy Johnson, you know, you know, so – you know, when something like that happens, you know, your local mom and pop shop that gives you money, you know, what's going to keep them from it when, you know, Jimmy Johnson, seven-time champion, Lowe says, we ain't going to sponsor you no more. Well, we, we've talked about that here on this show. I mean, growing up, you know, in the 90s and the heyday of NASCAR, I mean, cars and sponsors were always, you know, linked. I mean, you you, yeah. you could name every week what they were going to look like. And, and now it's a it's a week-by-week basis what the car wrap's going to be for those NASCAR guys. So you're exactly right. The sponsors, when you've got a good one, you got to value them and really, you know, appreciate what they do for you. Yeah. It's uh, something that's went away. That was pretty, that helped a lot with your sponsors and things. Back when I first raced at Brownstown, James Essex was very instrumental in Mm -hmm. sending the results to your local newspaper and getting a plug into your local paper for you. I mean, he did it for me and Mark Barber and Tim Clark and oh, yeah. all us guys, Randy Pedro, no matter what town you were from, he 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 sent that information to those newspapers and made sure your picture and your sponsors got mentioned. And then we had the Mid-American Racing oh, Magazine yes. back then. Mm-hmm. It was That was probably how I landed my biggest sponsor. He, was a, he had a subscription to Mid-American and seen I was winning races all the time and wanted to sponsor me, you know. And so uh, those instruments being gone now kind of hurts that sponsorship thing somewhat too 
And it seems like the new generation, you know, our, our kids aren't into racing like we were. You know, when I was when I was young, and you know, Mike's on here, my brother. If there was a race, you know, we begged our grandpa, we want to go to the races, we want to watch races. We, and it seems like now that this generation of kids, you know, there's a few of them, but they're really not interested in racing. Racing isn't important to them like it was. Our, you know, you, your, your generation, mine, right? You know, we had to be at the racetrack, you right? Know? And uh, that's you know, that's a lot. Why I mean, Dustin started this was try to maybe reach people and think about taking a chance on a Saturday night. Yeah, I really like when these tracks do the, you know, twenty dollar car load or whatever. I wish they'd all start doing that event. Uh, even Florence did it last year, I think five dollar night or yeah. whatever, to get people to coming back that hasn't been in twenty years or yeah. whatever. We need to start getting some people back and show them that it's still fun. It's still. But I, I hear people all the time, well, I just don't want to go because I don't know any of the drivers. Well, yeah. if you don't go a few times, you're not going to get to know who the right, drivers yeah. are. And another thing the tracks quit doing is putting out the programs with, you know, all the, the drivers uh, top 10 drivers' pictures or, you know, top 10 points or whatever. It puts a it puts a face with the name, you know. Yeah. And I think there's some lost art a little bit in what the promoters aren't doing that could help our sport yeah. somewhat, you know. Yeah, you know, you there's still a program, but it's kind of a every week thing. Like you said, if they could put some kind of insert in there that, that has the points breakdown, and like maybe you said, like in each of the classes, the the leader's picture. And, yeah, and even your sponsor's name in there. I mean, that, yeah. that that helps the racers, you know. Oh yeah, Jeff. This is a I'm 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 going to kind of transition here just a little bit because this is a, a question that really interests me, and I think you're one guy that can probably give us the best interest and. I've brought this up on here before when Josh Moffat was on and he had, he had a really good reason to tell us, but he talked about the first car he ever jumped in was his 410 sprint. I mean, he, he didn't, he didn't drive any other class. He didn't work his way up. He knew he had the funding to just get in that and, and he had to go all in driving the sprint that you did. Can you imagine jumping in that with no other experience behind the wheel? No, and even the guys that are sticking their kids straight into late models or mods these days is is mind-boggling to me. I I think you know start them out in those lower divisions, even if it's carts or whatever, to to learn the aspect of the racing and you know learn what the move over flag or the you know learn learn about the racing and how to line up and how to line up on a restart and but but yeah from from experience i just think it's pretty dangerous to stick your kid out there because i remember when Josh started and he was a weapon on the racetrack it was <laughs> and i've seen a lot of other young drivers in that same situation and i i just especially as dangerous as the sprint cars are and i love bill moffett he was he was on the he was crew guy on my my mm-hmm. car and mm-hmm. and i just I, that blows my mind that you'd throw your son out there in a in a sprint car right yeah and, I, and i'm not trying to be negative about it at all i mean joss has obviously had success i mean he's he's yeah. grown as a driver but i'll never forget that first night when he told us that and i was just like oh my gosh i mean and again i've never be, been behind the wheel so that's why i was interested to ask you but just watching him i can't imagine that being my first thing i got into really wheel i just yeah and I, yeah and i i just that's hard for me to even imagine that that's where he started, but I know that he did. So. Joss's reason was that he knew if he started in a lower class, he would never have the money to move up. Yeah. So he thought, I'll just go ahead and jump in this class and, and live or die with it. And I've had, I've had 
other fathers tell me that they don't want their kids learning bad habits from other race cars too. So they want them to start out in whatever they're really wanting them to race, which for Joss, his dad was diehard non-wing oh, sprint. Yeah. So he, oh, yeah. he didn't have, he did, you know, had Bill, had Bill had the money when Joss was younger, they probably would have ran midgets or something yeah. else. They just didn't have the funding until, you know, that point in time in their life. So Every time you change a class, did you change your driving style, or could you carry, like, from the street stock to the bomber, and then you know from the bomber back to a street stock, and then the late model? Could you carry a lot of that with you, or did you have to readjust every time? Yeah, I th I think so. And, and you know, even when I went from, you know, I started out in the lower and worked my way up each division, and I felt like that once I got out of the street stock into the late model, I thought it was easier to drive. It was faster, but it was easier to drive. The steering was better. The brakes was better. So I don't really felt like I changed my style much. Just, you know, for me, all these years, racing has been by the seat of my pants. And I feel right. whatever whatever car I'm in, that's what I feel. And that's how I react. So <laughs> that just, I felt like I've always had natural, God-given abilities why right. I've been as successful as I have. Now, not to give away any, any secrets or setups here, but when you do set up a car, do you prefer it to be more on the loose side or the tight side? I mean, what, what feels more comfortable to you? When it, I definitely like a tighter race car. Yeah. yeah. Um, I charge the corner. Everyone's driving style is different. I've always been one that charged into the corner pretty pretty deep, so I needed a tighter race car for for that driving style you know some guys ease into the corner and accelerate off harder so they like a car a little more free but i've always been a i've always drove the car into two car lengths deeper than the next guy it seems like you know <laughs> and when you you set out and you got back in, in uh, jim beeman's car last year the technology over over 12 years has to be you probably didn't recognize underneath the car you know after 12 years of it i mean was that any kind of learning curve there? Oh, it was tremendous. There was nothing that felt any. I compare the late models now more so to what the sprint cars were when I drove them because you're driving them more with the throttle now. Oh, really? Than you ever were before. Really? You know, before, in, in, you know, tw 20 years ago when I had my own car, you know, we were we were using the brakes to set the car up into the corner, get the car set and then get back in the gas. And you were picking the left front up and, you know, now you're hauling that thing down into the corner to keep it up on that right front. And it's just, it's a totally different feel. It, it, and one of the things was the motion of that car was so much different. It took me a bit to get used to all that feel of how, it, how the car felt when you accelerated and everything. And then getting your courage up to haul that thing into the corner as hard as you could, you know. So if so you ran one into the corner as hard as you do today, you just spun out every lap. Oh, really? really? Oh, yeah. Yeah, you wow. never. That's what's changed in the late models now is the corner speed. We're going almost as fast in the corners as we are down the straightaways, and we weren't we weren't doing that 20 years ago. So in the, in the 90s, you were loading the right rear heavy. Now you're loading the right front. Is 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 that how it is? Or yeah, you're you're running right front, left rear. You know, you're running off those two wheels more so nowadays oh, wow. than, than I didn't realize that. So you're more more or less using that right front as a pivot point. Then. Yes, yes, yeah. Cool. Yeah, yeah. Back in the day, I can remember. You know, my Rayburn car, it picked the left front up so high you couldn't see if there was somebody in front of you or not some nights. You know, I drove that SmackDown car for, uh, for um, 
Harlan Baker, and it did the same thing. Yeah. It carried that left front. I mean, well, it was I can, hard to see to drive. It really was. I can remember several of you guys carried the left front so bad that the wheel would actually quit spinning. Yeah. You know, it would Especially actually just, if you was dragging the brake, it'd yeah. stop that tire. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it would just, it would ride still until you got to the corner and you'd lay it back down just to set the car, and then it was picked right back up. So mm-hmm. that's 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 yeah, information so the I transfer of the car is is so much different you know before it was transferring you know left front picking up onto the right rear and and now you're you know burying the right front and the left rear is lifting it's a totally different feel it huh. took me a while to get yeah it was i i mean it took me a few races to really get i felt by mid-season i was getting a pretty good handle on it last year but it's so, certainly different did you feel like the setup was just wrong when you first got in the car and it started burying that, that right front? Not not so much. I just I knew that was from watching the cars, that's what the characteristics mm-hmm. were, and I knew that's how it had to be if you wanted to be fast, <laughs> you know. <clears throat> Jeff, let me ask you this. If if and I know we've got some younger racers here that, that uh watch the uh the podcast or watch Facebook Live and listen to the podcast. If you could give them one piece of advice for their racing career, what would that be? I've told this to many young racers. You win races spending your time in the shop. Mm. Um, Time on the track just gives you experience and makes you better. But um, if you want to win races, you got to spend the time in the shop working on the car. And that kind of helps you get to know the car a little more, too. I mean, if you're working on it, yeah, you know, you and then – a lot of my cars I built from the frame up, so I knew every component, every bolt, every piece on them, you know. But I tell a lot of people that you win the races in the shop. Making sure your maintenance and <clears throat> everything's free, nothing's binding up. I mean, you can have a really fast race car, and if something starts binding and not working the way it should, you, you just you won't you'll, you'll think something's off, but you won't really know until you take it apart, you know. That, that's, that's a very good point there. And, and Jeff, what is, I guess, you know, and I, again, I don't want anybody specific. What is one of the things that as, as a, a veteran driver, as a, um, you know, kind of a mentor, what is something that frustrates you about some of these younger drivers that you kind of think back that, man, you couldn't have got away with that kind of stuff in the olden days? Yeah. I see a lot of these young guys, they don't, they don't work on their cars. You know, their dad or grandpa or somebody's putting all the money into it. They got men hired to do the work and the maintenance at the shop, and these kids just aren't really learning their race cars and learning how they work to help understand. I mean, that's how you're going to get a, be a better driver is understanding how that car works, what makes it tick, you know. And, and even you, to communicate uh, that to your crew. I mean, yeah, you have to say, yes, this yeah. is what's going on. Yes. <clears throat> yeah, because if you come in and be like, I don't know, and you know it's just not fast yeah <laughs> i mean I'd... yeah and even my son i i struggle a little bit because sometimes he can't exactly tell me what he's feeling you know and it's just his inexperience yet but mm-hmm. you know um but that's the one thing i see a lot of these young guys will get out and they'll be cursing at their dad or whoever fix this darn thing it sucks or whatever you know and i, I that that's i don't like that right <laughs> And the more you know it, though, then you can. Well, let's you know, let's try this, let's try that, because you understand, you know, you put it all there, or you've, you've, you know, tightened the bolts around the parts that you know. Okay, this is if I move this, and yeah, a lot of it has to be trial and error too, doesn't it? Yeah, it really does. It's you know, and it's hard a lot of nights you to try and 
to try things under the pressure of running a race because sometimes you'll make it worse but you know that's where all the seat time on the track and experience and trying different things and you learn what works and what doesn't work and what you like in a car and like i said everyone's driving style just you know i could set a car up for myself how i like it to feel and stick my son in it and it's probably Mm -hmm. too tight for him or that next guy could be too tight or you know whatever so and i think that's you know and and obviously i have no idea because i've never been in it but i think that's one thing where younger drivers make mistakes too is instead of exploring and figuring out their driving style they want to go to the guy that's fast and figure out what they're doing yes yes they're not just fast because of the setup they're fast because their setup fits their driving style and Mm -hmm. it's the right fit yeah Yeah. there's no magic i can remember in a day everybody oh i need to get a set of scales you know and need to know these numbers there is no magic in those numbers you get that car close to what you need it to be for yourself and then you fine tune from there you know and but yeah it's uh you know, you got to, everyone's style's just a little different. So you got to find that sweet spot for yourself, you know, hmm. whether it be corner entry, corner off, whatever's, you know, whatever that might be. Jeff, as a, as an old school guy, what do you think about this rise of kind of the, the, uh, simulators, the eye racing, um, cause I, it, some of this kind of stuff for a, for a dirt guy. And I think, uh, you know, a guy we want to have on later is Braden Watson, who's in a, in a mod at Brownstown Speedway there for loud and loose racing, obviously has tons of experience on the iRacing thing, but then obviously jumped in the modified. Do you think from your mindset, do you think that's something to help these young drivers? Do you think that's something that, you know, for you, you'd say, nah, you got to be on the track and be in the garage working on the car. Yeah. I can't picture sitting in a freaking chair, pushing a pedal and steering a steel, watching a screen that isn't seat of the pants. What I told you earlier, I drive race cars by the seat of my pants, what I feel under my ass. Yeah. And you aren't going to get that eye racing. My kids back in the day used to try to get me to play NASCAR games and all that. And I said, I can't feel it. I ain't. Mm-hmm. I don't right. know when to get on the gas and when. I, I said, I can't feel that. I can't right. drive that. Of course, they beat me because they knew <laughs> they, that was their chance to beat me, but. And then, then they go brag to everybody they beat dad, you know. So. Well, and I think, and I, I've never played iRacing. I've never driven a race car, obviously. But I go back to exactly what you said in the sprint car at Eldora. I can jump on a, a iRacing thing with a sprint car at Eldora. And me wondering if it's going to turn going into turn one is a totally different feeling than what you had when you're headed towards that wall. Yeah. yeah because if I mess up it, you it's, just hit the reset yeah, button. And yeah, start yeah, over. Yeah, I go again. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's definitely, you know, and you're out there with cars all around you and stuff's happening and you're, you're making split second decisions. That's, you can't simulate that. I don't care. I don't care what you do. And it, but it, you know, with Braden and I it might be the young kids, it, it seemed like he has like flattened some of that learning curve down. You know, because I think probably eye hand coordination, it's probably definitely helping, helping that part of racing a little bit, but it's definitely not going to teach you how to feel when that car's hooked up or when it's sliding or when, you know, it's, those are the things, but I think for the eye hand coordination part of it, that that probably helps somewhat. And I know a lot of guys have said also finding with, with as realistic as some of the tracks are finding that point when you want to set the car up for the corner and kind of, you know, having some landmarks and things, especially at tracks you'd never been to, to kind of get that feel for what that track's going to be like. But I, I agree with you. I mean, it's like anything. I, 
you got to be in the car. And and even and even Braden and, and and kudos to him for what he's done. I remember that first night at Brownstown when I saw him climbing in that modified and and me this is me personally I'm not being critical I just thought man when I was his age I didn't need a four or five pairs of underwear tonight to climb in that modified and go out there and race I just say it, it for me that is amazing for for a kid to be able to go out there and do that I, I think the thing with him I gotta say is with me his age I was too immature I would agree with that I, I'd, I'd back that 100 you know, percent that I was immature well when you were <laughs> Matt let me remind you when you were that age, uh, I know you weren't even born. So, uh, <laughs> thanks. <laughs> Just for the viewers out there, we we figured out the other day I'm actually closer in age to Matt's son than I am to Matt. Uh, oh, I wasn't supposed to bring that up. I totally forgot. Yeah, so, yeah. you know, you was asking me I, uh, something slipped my mind about probably my my best win. I went to I went to Illinois one time. We this would have been in '97. We had rained out four or five weeks in a row here, and I had built a brand new Rayburn car over the winter. And I was, we were chomping at the bit to go run that new car. And it was raining, it rained us out again, or was going to. And so I called Terry England on a Saturday morning. I said, Terry, where, where's the closest race? Because Ter- Terry always knew who, yeah. who was running, who was. And uh, he said, Fairbury, Illinois, oh, six yeah. hours away. So me and my guys loaded in the truck and went over there and we were, we got there late. We were the last ones there cause it was so far over there. And there was two pills in the bottle, a one and a 59 or something. <laughs> and we drew the one and we drew the one and uh, Kevin Weaver was there. Well, that's, and, yeah, that's and home I, for him. Yeah. And, I, and I'm telling you, there was 60 of the best late models in the country in Illinois and in Indiana, Don O'Neill, John Gill, they Jim Curry, all the guys from home were there too, including all the good Illinois guys. And I told, I went to Kevin. I'm like, Kevin, I've never been here. Where, you know, how do I qualify? Yeah. How do I, how do I run this place? And he said, just put her up on the cushion and do your thing. You'll be all right. I went out. I was fifth quick qualifier that night. They ran. It was a twin twin features that night. I started inside third row because I was fifth in a dash. The okay. the winner of the dash started pole the feature. The other five started pole the heat races. We take the green, go, and everyone headed for the cushion, and I just did my Brownstown deal. Never been there. Didn't know any better. Went straight to the bottom, and coming off two, I was leading. <laughs> and I'm I'm looking over my shoulder thinking, where and where's everybody at? I won that dash. I mean, I walked away and left them. <clears throat> so I start pull the feature. I let, <clears throat> I let every lap of that feature, won that. I'm telling you, Roger Long, all the best oh, guys. Roger Long, yeah. Roger Long dominated that racetrack. I mean, all the best ones were Pierce. They were all there. I'm yeah. not kidding you. <clears throat> so they invert the next feature all the guys on the that were on the lead lap they invert i started 18th in the second feature was passing a guy for fifth in the second feature that's how good our car was cj rayburn called me monday morning he was the happiest guy on earth because i went over there and and i mean i gained a bunch of fans from illinois because no one knew who i was i was there in my dually with my enclosed trailer against all the big guys out there and we just we we did a number on them and you you mentioned earlier that uh, people don't like to go to the races because they don't know anybody. Sometimes I enjoy going to a track I haven't been to and 
you might find, you know, the next big talent, you know, and, yeah. and see a guy that knows that track. They can yes. run with run with the best because they've spent the time learning that track yeah. and know that track. Yeah. Yeah. You know, to to me that was always a fun thing. Well, uh Jeff, uh before we kind of get off here, um, you know, and uh we're at about a around an hour and fifteen minutes or so. Um, who's some people you wanna thank? I mean, even you know, currently and, and over the years that you really want to thank for, for your, I mean, your spectacular racing career. Yeah. Um, obviously my dad, you know, he was my idol. I watched him race and, you know, I never knew that I could drive myself. I just always watched my dad and he, he, my dad was track champion in 1968 at twin city and I was track champion in 1998. I thought that was pretty cool. Yeah, That's really cool. Um, I was hoping my son could be track champion in 08, but <laughs> but that didn't that didn't well wouldn't have been 08. I forget what year anyway. I was hoping my son could win over there too sometime win a track championship. But anyway, my father obviously and my mom were instrumental, and then uh, you know I I raced for three years and quit, and George Covey gave me a chance to drive his car, and that led to me driving Brett Ezo's car that I drove for Brett and uh and then that that led to me driving for Earl Sims and then that led to my own accomplishments a few years which led to me driving for Rod Reynolds oh yeah and then one of the, my major sponsors in all those years right there was Gary Bright corn king he corn king he sponsored me for 10 years and he was he helped keep me going there those years i had my own cars <clears throat> and then uh after i got quit driving for rodney i set out a couple of years and i got a chance to drive for uh harlan baker uh-huh. and uh actually what led to harlan's ride was I, I met a guy at Eldora one night named Mike Bright. He'd bought a late model, and he was running at Twin City, and he was struggling. He bought a car off of James Huff. Yeah, I actually lettered Mike Bright's car. Did you? Yeah. And uh, he was struggling, so he put me in the car. and Well, I, I went with him to help him, and he ran last and stuck me in the car in the Concy, and I came from the Concy and ran 10th in the feature that night. <laughs> and uh, that led to me getting a ride with Harlan Baker. And then I, if Harlan was still alive, we'd still be racing. I'm confident Harlan got sick and passed away. And so I was out of a ride again. And then, uh, you know, Jim Beeman gave me an opportunity there last year and gave me a chance to go do it. Well, I just wanted to do it one more good time. I really wanted to win track championship at Brownstown, but that didn't happen, but I still had a great year. And, and then through the course of all this time, Mike Sims, we we are really good friends, you know, have been since I drove for his father, and he helps me no matter what I'm driving. You know, um, my cousin Arnold Boshears, he's helped me since my early days, and you know, I just I got a lot of friends, Jeff Corbin, that these guys are still helping me today, that were helping me 25 years ago, 30 years ago. So that's pretty cool. Got to thank all those people. And Jeff, I want to thank you for uh, for coming over and being a part of the show with us, and and also thank you for you know 
for giving your wisdom to younger drivers and trying to promote this sport and trying to grow this sport uh, for those future generations. So I appreciate everything you're doing. Thank you very much. Uh, to give a rundown here quickly of our sponsors, again, in the fastlaneproductions.com. A huge shout-out to Ryan and Nathan for sponsoring our contest last week, and a shout-out to J.J. Brooks and Tori Rotier for uh, being the winners there for a six-month subscription uh, to In the Fastlane Productions. Schaefer Photo and Custom Tees. Again, Mark and Jamie Schaefer. Check out the Schaefer trailer there behind the grandstand. Speedway. Also be on the uh, lookout for some information coming up about the uh, Schaefer Photo Night at the races, August 18th. Um, we will also be doing a Racing for Donors contest or Roasting for Donors uh, challenge uh, to get organ donors signed up. And uh, if you sign up as an organ donor, uh, there's going to be some Jackson 100 pairs of Jackson 100 tickets given away by Schaefer Photo and Custom T in the fast lane and uh, throttled up the podcast. Brownstown Speedway again. Thank you to Jim Price for everything he does for us. Uh, again, next week, if you're at the Jackson County Fair, come out and see Matt and I uh, at the uh, Brownstown Speedway booth. Um, Wednesday night. And, uh, and yep. throughout the week, we'll have a drawing there for uh, Jeremy Owens' uh, uh, car panel there that he's uh, donating to uh, give away. Uh, big shout-out to Jeremy for his support of the podcast and everything he's done for us. But uh, the exciting thing there on Wednesday night, uh, we will record live from the booth at uh, Browns or at I keep saying Brownstown Speedway, Jackson County Fair at the Jackson County Fair, um, which will be close enough. I may just make us record from Brownstown Speedway so I can be <laughs> correct. Uh, I don't even know what's going on in the grandstands that night. So, uh, but uh, we will be recording live from the Jackson County Fair uh, with the Canes uh, with a big announcement coming. Yeah, Carrie says she has an announcement that she wants to make, so she's going to come on with Tyler. And, uh, yeah, we'll have Carrie and Tyler Kane on there. Uh, Miller Termite, Miller's Termite and Pest Control, a uh, huge shout-out to James Miller jumping on as a sponsor. Again, I mean, if you're looking for somebody who truly cares about you, it's not the big contract, not going to lock you in, uh, contact Miller's uh, Termite and Pest Control. Uh, check out their Facebook uh, for anything from termites, bed bugs, ants, and spiders. Uh, check out their Facebook at Miller's Termite and Pest Control. Email them at pest underscore in underscore peace at yahoo.com or by phone at 812-767-5657. And last but not least, Billy Badfast Performance. Um, buy racers for racers. Performance is your source for the new and used racing parts and supplies. They currently stock Schaefer's oil products, front and rear bumpers and door bottles, door bars, excuse me, uh, for your late model or modified. If you don't have it, they can find it. Give them a call today at 502-517-9393. When you call either one of those, uh, Miller's Termite or Pest Control or Billy Bad Fast Performance, tell those guys that throttled up the podcast sent you over there and, uh, and uh, support our sponsors. We really appreciate what they're doing to help us do what we do. I'm going to say that I have Jim. He does uh, – Miller, Miller's Pest Control does my house too, and he does an excellent job. He always makes sure that uh, – you know, everything's taken care of, you know, when he comes and, and does a good job and there he, at my house. And he gives a guarantee. I mean, yes, that was the coolest yes. thing. He told me he came out on a Thursday. I think I called him on a Wednesday morning. He came out on Thursday. He sprayed. He said, give me till Monday. If Monday you see any any ants, you call me and I'll be back out. And like I said, I haven't seen an ant since then. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, huge, huge shout-out to Miller Termite and Pest Control not just because they're a sponsor. I, I use their services. Yes. Matt used their services prior to them jumping on. So that is not just a plug for a sponsor. That is absolutely the truth. So reach out to those guys. And, again, and lawn care. I mean, if, if you're struggling like I am right now to get my yard mode, 
uh, this week. Uh, reach out to those guys and, and have them come uh, make your lawn look as good as possible. So I also want to – Friday night, the uh, Indiana Pro Late Models be at Bloomington Speedway. Absolutely. I almost forgot yeah. about that. Thank For, you because yeah. I can't be there. Yeah. I'm Sorry. You know, your favorite racetrack and you can't even come. So I know. But, uh, yeah, the, the Indiana Pro Late Models will go to Bloomington on Friday night. So if you guys aren't doing anything on, on Friday, get over there and watch them guys race. They, they put on a good show over there. Um, Saturday, no racing at Brownstown. They're going to have to uh, take the, the Saturday night off so they can get the fair set up. But Thursday night, uh, July 26th, is going to be the Jackson County uh, Thursday Thunder with your Indiana Pro Late Models again, the modified Super Stocks and Hornets on Thursday. And then Saturday night is going to be your Jackson County Grand Champion Fair Race and also the 6th Annual Paul Crockett Memorial. Super Late Models, Modified, Super Stocks, and Pure Stocks. I know I talked to Mark Norman. Modifieds and Super Stocks is going to be a 1,000 to win that night. So uh, be a good night for you guys. With the Modifieds and Super Stocks, come over to Brownstown, 1,000 to win. So he, he increased the purse there on, on those, on both of those classes I know of. So Sunday night, USAC Sprint Week, Lawrenceburg's Right on, way. yeah. Yes, yeah. <clears throat> oh, yeah. And, uh, and again, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to throw it out again to anybody that's a, a super stock driver. We're going to throw out a little bit of a, a challenge there uh, for the other Mike Fields, not the one that was on, uh, on Facebook Live tonight. But uh, Mike Fields has kind of ran away with the Brandeis points there so far. Um, three more races in the Brandeis series. Anybody that can outrun uh, Mike Fields in one of the Brandeis races gets a $100 bill from uh, Throttled Up the Podcast. Uh, if Mike Fields can sweep the Brandeis series and finish it up, a hundred dollar bill goes to uh, Mike Fields. So uh, that's uh, that's our challenge out there to all you super stock guys. So get over there for those Brandeis series and see what you can do. It looks like the next Brandeis race will be uh, the Schaefer Photo and Custom Tees Night on August eighteenth. Very so. exciting. So a couple different yeah. things going on there. So yeah, Jeff, thanks again, man. I appreciate you driving over and, and being a part. Well, thank you very much. I'd like to say I was a race fan before I was a driver, and I'll continue to be one after I'm a driver. Good deal. Thank you. For Brian Clausen, uh. I do them like Kyle Larson. Watch me throw them sliders. Party in Victory Lane, and y'all boys ain't invited. Your mama gets excited when I pull up to unload. Even 
and your grandpa talking about man that boy too cold right. we don't sit on 24s we don't ride on spinners uh -uh. i'm posted up on them 15s with platinum dirt defenders yes. got kids up in my window like hey mo are you gonna win it uh -huh. yeah i hope y'all brought some stamps cause y'all know i'm about to send it on me dirt 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 i'm all about that dirt 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 i'm throwing dirt I just won hot laps for the third week. Huh? Lil Dave said he thinks we're in the first heat. So I go and check the board on my bike, sitting outside pole. Y'all know what it's looking like. Uh -huh. W, W, that's another George W. Hit, hit him with that half a lap. Like, dang, what gear are you running, dude? And where'd you get that fire suit? Man, I like that stitching. Velocity USA, hey, just tell Brad that I sent you. I'm shining like I'm rubbered up and I'm smiling for the pics. Y'all boys be looking tacky while I stay looking slick. Four new rims, no new friends. They never know what I'm planning. Never. And mama just gave me them eyes like, dang, baby, you looking handsome. Hey, Brad, we pray and sing the anthem. Nobody takes a knee. We stop and show respect because we're all proud to be. From the land of the free and the home of the brave, y'all better wake up and get it uh, we're making america great again let's all go out and kick it on there dirt 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 i'm all about that dirt 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 i'm throwing dirt 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 i missed that dirt 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 gotta get back to i'm it. a dirt trackaholic call it what you call it saturday night i am so kenny wallace on that dirt Dirt, I miss that. Dirt, 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 gotta get back to it.